0: Hello, welcome to the IDEAS podcast, Inclusive, Digital, Educational, Anti-Discriminatory Alternatives. You're listening to Module 3, Women's Minorities and Their Rights, Migrant, Roma and Homeless Women in the Czech Society. Episode 1, Roma Women in Czech Society. The experience of Roma women in Czech society is very diverse but still we know that they tend to be affected by multiple discrimination. They face anti gypsyism from mainstream society and patriarchal pressure in their own community. It is still rare to hear from Roma women what they think about their position in Czech society and the Roma community. It's even rarer to focus on strong and successful Roma women. Today, we have a chance to hear the story of one such Roma woman, the journalist, activist, and a community organizer. How did she manage to fight her way through? And what does she say to young Roma women? Allow me to welcome Ms. Emilia Horachkova, a prominent Czech activist and an entrepreneur. What was her trajectory in life? What obstacle did she have to face? How did she manage to overcome them? We'll ask her about her assessment of the role of being a Roma and a woman. She often faces hate speech and discrimination. This experience is quite limiting, even for mainstream women, who can count on the range of privileges. What is the path to the empowerment of Roma women, especially young women? Who are the people who supported Emilia on her path to the renowned professional she is today? So, tell us, Emilia, something about your
1: life trajectory. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? I was born in Prague. My childhood was pretty complicated because my mother left me with her brother, my uncle. So I was raised in another family, my uncle's family, not my own, and separate from my siblings'. I stayed in my uncle's family until I was 15. My stepmother was illiterate, my uncle was partially illiterate, but he was extremely strict with me. We spoke Romani in the family. That's interesting, because nowadays not many Czech Roma speak Romani. True, but in my family, Romani dominated. Okay, so you finished primary school in Prague... And what did you do next? Then I left school because I was engaged to someone and became pregnant pretty early. I had one child and then another, but no school. Then, when kids were older, I saw an ad for high school for Roma people on TV. Emil Ščuka was advertising it as a way to help yourself and your community. Emil Ščuka is a famous Roma lawyer and activist, right? Yes. So that was the program he introduced. The school was in Prague, but I already moved to Mimon, the town where I live now. My partner and I bought a little house here, which was initially in a desolate condition. So, you heard about the school on
0: TV and what happened next?
1: I took my daughter with me, who was 15 at the time. How old were you? I was 30. I started early. Or maybe 32, something like that. So we went for an interview there. And my daughter was rejected because she was too young. And they admitted me because they appreciated my experience. I was very happy, so I started high school there. First, under Shchuka and then within the Evangelical Academy. The study program was about social work. During all this time, I used to work. I worked in manual labor, whatever kind of labor I could get. I have never avoided work. I used to work in a factory here. I used to polish chairs. After two years, I acquired the position of assistant and started working as an assistant here in a practical school.
0: Let me interrupt you there briefly. For our listeners, practical schools were an instrument of institutional discrimination against Roma children. Initially introduced for children with minor mental disorders, they became overpopulated with Roma children. After finishing practical school, one could not continue with regular education and had very limited job opportunities. The curriculum was simplified and thus provided no real prospects for further education
1: or employment. Right, so I worked at that school for a year, then I left for municipal office. I stayed there for less than a year because I found the work boring. It was all about papers and sitting in the office. I wanted to go out, be among the people, see the problems and solve them with the community. In the office, they didn't appreciate my approach. I used to spend two hours on one case and they thought it was useless. So I left and started working for people in need. Just to clarify,
0: People in Need is one of the most prominent NGOs for social help, international aid, and cultural activities. Yes,
1: I stayed there for 12 years. What did you do for them? I worked as a field social worker. I established field social work here in Mimogne and the district of Liberec. There was nothing like that before I established it. Was it field social work for the Roma community? Not only, but mostly Roma people. So there I used to work with adults. Then I had personal problem because my husband fell ill. So I had to take a year off even though I had permanent contract with people in need. After a year, I went back, but that's when I decided I would work with children. I don't want to have anything to do with adults anymore. Why did you start working with children? Because during my work, I realized that oftentimes when I wanted to send Roma mothers to some courses or training, they couldn't make it because there was no one to take care of the children. The same goes for employment. How can you get employed if you have no grandmother or someone to take care of your kids? So I founded a little club for mothers and children. I was working there for three years, and then I fell ill. Again, I had to stop working, but I took a part-time job with the local Caritas shortly after. What did you do for them? I worked in a low-threshold club for older children. Then I moved on to work in Ploužnice, a housing project with mostly Roma, but also Moldovans, Belarusians, Kazakhstanis, and other foreigners moved there by the Ministry of Interior. Were they asylum seekers? Yes, and I wondered why they were sending them to Ploužnice where there was nothing. No schools, no doctors, there wasn't even a grocery store back then. Just forest and nothing else. So, what did you do after that? In 2015, I started working as a career advisor. That meant working with adults again. I worked with Roma women organized meetings with various experts, sent them to requalification courses and organized their internships. Then, I fell ill again and had to stop working for a year. After that, I said I had enough. I would do something independently. So, that's how the current phase began? Well, no. I established my own NGO Bachtale, already in 2000. In my spare time, I organize various activities here, such as festivals, courses. The kids travel to various activities and even won some prizes. We organize St. Nicholas celebration, Halloween, and stuff like that. In addition, I worked with Slovo 21. I have to
0: explain that Slovo 21 is another NGO that works on Roma women integration. Incidentally, it was founded by a Roma woman from Bosnia.
1: Yes, I worked with Roma women with them to make them more active and I used funds for this work for some of the activities of my NGO. I said, why can't I do something on my own, the way I wanted? My idea was that I needed to take care of the children first in order to be able to send mothers to employment, courses and other activities. I had that thought for a long time. So in 2016, 2017, I contacted various people and asked for help. Who were these people? For example, one Dagmar organized a photo exhibition and made my case popular. Then, within these activities for Roma women, many other women visited too. And one of them was Petra Kubalkova. I told her about my idea and that I had no space, no money. Nothing. She knew some people who had a project for children's groups, and she asked them to include my idea. Which organization was it? I don't remember their name. Now they are called Work Life. They were pretty big, so they said, we'd take you on board. These are our conditions. I told them I didn't know how to write the project. I had to invest some of my money, which was tricky, but I took that risk. So we applied for a grant. Then we waited. After some time, they let me know we were successful. Do you know who financed the grant? It mainly was the EU, but partially also the Ministry of Labor and Social Affairs. We received information that they gave us the grant. That was just the beginning. The crazy marathon started. I started looking for space, but whenever they saw me, they thought, oh no, we don't want a place where gypsies will hang out. Then a man offered his little house. The space was in catastrophic condition. I had to get all the permissions for services, hygiene, fire protection, number of square meters per child, It was crazy. I had to pay for all of this. My son helped. So I paid only a fraction of the market price. Sounds like a lot of work. Exactly. Incredible bureaucracy. I was supposed to open in September, but I opened in November. I even had to change the statute of my NGO. Fortunately, the woman at the ministry was very understanding and quickly dealt with my request. But I missed the beginning of the school year, so I had just a couple of kids until January.
0: Okay, so the club was finally established.
1: Yes, and now we are in our fourth year. In February, the second EU project ends. Then we move to state grants. I wonder how that will work. You will be financed by Mimon? No, by the Liberates district. They receive money from the ministry and distribute it to my organization.
0: Okay, so that's what happened with the children's group. But I know you're also an entrepreneur. How did that happen?
1: Let me tell you, the projects were badly conceived. Everything depended on the number of children and the days they spent in the club. Since I had few children attending, I couldn't get hold of all the grant money. They reduced the grant, but none of the other expenses were reduced. I had to reinvest my own money. Someone else would flinch and say, I won't make debts. But I said, I invest so much work in this, I can't let it go. So I had low fees because most of my clients were single mothers sometimes. They couldn't pay even the low fee and I had to refrain from asking for any fees. So I wasn't making money. After I paid my two employees, there was no money left for my salary. I am working for free. Imagine the crazy Horachkova. So, what did you do? I decided I need a different source of money. Even before I opened my flower decoration shop, I did decorations on many occasions, such as, for example, for Camoro.
0: Camoro is one of the biggest international Roma festivals held annually in Prague. Slovo 21 organizes concerts, discussions, lectures, and Roma pride.
1: Yes, they let me sell my decoration at Camoro. In general, there are problems with NGOs. The women they engage are often just a camouflage for the projects and the NGO doesn't really help them. They pay Roma women to stay at hotels, but their children have nothing to eat. They pay for the hotels because they have money for that in the projects, but what good is that for those women? Nothing. Because of all this, I said to myself, I need to solve the problems on my own. Again, I had to look for space, and again, my son helped. How was it at the beginning? It took two years to open the place. I invested bit by bit as I had money, but it's centrally located and with reasonable rent. I tried to get some help from the district, and I got a small amount for women entrepreneurs. I gave up after that. It meant just more administration. So I started working with my daughter. Then COVID struck, therefore we are still just taking off. I trust myself. I know it takes time for business to take off. I'm constantly investing. It would help me a lot if someone could help me open an e-shop and advertise.
0: I would recommend you open an Instagram and a Twitter account.
1: Yes. But I still need help with all this. What I managed to do was find requalification courses for unemployed women. So if you employ them, the state supports that working place for some time. I hired my daughter, other Roma women, single mothers, and retired women. That's
0: amazing. You should consider how to obtain the status of a social entrepreneur because you work for profit, but you're also solving a social problem.
1: That was exactly how I understand my business. But I'm not sure I would qualify because my business is adjacent to my NGO, which means what I make, I invest in the NGO. That's why I received no support during COVID.
0: I see. Let's move on now to the negative sides of this society. Is there a moment when you realized anti gypsyism was a part of this society, or was it automatic since
1: forever? I have faced anti gypsyism since my childhood. I grew up in the Prague neighborhood of Smichov. There was one primary school close by, and I was the only Roma in it. They tried to send me to practical school. Only two of us went to regular primary school out of my nine siblings. The rest were sent to practical school and we've already talked about the harm this does to Roma children. At that school, they used to insult me, made me feel inferior. Who insulted you? Mostly children when we were younger and some teachers. Some teachers were great though. You know, I'm almost 60 now And sometimes, but only sometimes, do I feel some people understand nothing. How terrible it is for us to have to prove or justify something constantly. I am honestly pissed because of that.
0: I also remember how you wrote on Facebook about Roma identity.
1: Yes, I wrote, shame on those who did not declare their Roma ethnicity at census. That's a long-term problem, isn't it?
0: That Roma consistently refused to declare their ethnicity at census.
1: Yes, and shame on them. I honestly don't understand them. I mean, for a long time, this society denied our identity and language. Society repressed our identity and that was a major mistake because those Roma who lost their identity now have problems of no identity. They suffer from inner conflict and that's why I call them mutants. I don't get it because if I am Roma and I live and I was born in the Czech Republic, I have a family here, my relatives are, are buried here, then damn it, the Czech Republic accept me for who I am. I refuse to fake it, to claim I don't speak Romani or that my dad was in India or Vietnamese. But what do you say to Roma who don't declare their ethnicity, not out of shame
0: or hoping to somehow climb the social ladder, but out of fear? Because we know that during the Poriamos, the authorities used census lists to search for and kill Roma. They simply don't trust the state with their data because data was abused in World War II.
1: I say no. I'll be nasty now, but the old Roma, yes, I believe they have fear. They experienced these atrocities and had them transmitted directly by their parents or family. They grew up with them, but the old Roma have mostly died. The young Roma have to acknowledge their history. Then they are entitled to fear. In other words,
0: in your opinion, fear is not the reason they fear declaring their ethnicity.
1: You think that they don't know about their past. I have to be nasty again. They would kill me if I say this at some conference. But they use the situation for their benefit. When they apply for benefits, they are Roma and they complain of huge discrimination. In other situations, they say they proclaim their check. Okay, you feel like a Czech, but then you have to persuade Czechs that you are one, so they stop calling you gypsies. Does the fact that they proclaim they are not Roma change anything regarding discrimination or racism? It would be good if that could solve racism, because otherwise they are obliterating themselves voluntarily and freely. For example, Czech people during the Enlightenment separated from German nation and moved proudly up. And this Roma moved down. Do you understand? I do. Of course, they have fear, there were skinheads, demonstrations, they marched everywhere. One of those who burned Natalka was from Pložnice, the housing project nearby.
0: Yes, the case of Natalka and her family. Let me explain that. A group of neo-Nazis threw Molotov cocktails into the house of a sleeping Roma family, injuring badly a two-year-old Natalka, who
1: then underwent dozens of surgeries. She barely talks, even now. Yes, so one of those neo-Nazis was from here. That's why I left Prague, because they killed one Roma at my door. I still remember how I was shaking in shock. I went to sleep at my family's out of fear. Nobody really knows our fear. For us, for our children, that they can do something to you without any reason at all. You can't hide your black face from them. Even if you change your name, they still know. So.
0: The solution is not to hide or deny your identity.
1: No, that's not the solution at all. I understand maybe those who grew up in mixed marriages or a non-Roma environment, but even that is not a given. Let me tell you about my experience. In my kindergarten, a kid, mom, is Czech. Dad is Roma. The boy has dark skin. His mom comes and tells me I would be glad if you taught him some Romani words. She protects her dark-skinned boy so he can access his community and be free in both communities. Then, a Roma woman who had a child with her second partner from England came and said, I hope you won't speak Romani to my son. She came to some money from him and automatically wanted her son to be less Roma. I see. Look, I've been saving my whole life. My shoes are sometimes torn. And I used to say I am working woman. That's why my shoes are torn. You understand? For some Roma, it is more convenient to be on benefits than to work. But back to the issue of declaring Roma ethnicity. Some abuse that. Some live in fear. I also sometimes live in fear. I get it. I even once made a joke. I painted my face white and I asked, will you accept me now? The thing is, people know me around here, but when I go somewhere else, they don't see my hard work, struggle or education. I forgot to ask you if you graduated from the Protestant faculty. No, my husband fell ill and I had no time for it. To this day, I regret not having a degree. It's never too late. It's too late for me now. But I want to get back to the issue of how resources are used for Roma women. I was once on a TV show where I explained how I worked for 6 months with Roma women to prepare them for jobs. They were amazing. They learned a lot. They were enthusiastic about working. So after finishing courses, I went to look for employment for them. But they said we could employ them for 6 months only. And guess what happened after six months? They were unemployed again. So all this work, all this money invested in them was in vain. But that's how the project was set. Money is simply not used well. The major part is used to pay people doing the project and the target group get a minimum, a total minimum. So instead of investing in target groups and improving their situations, changing their environment so they see how beneficial it is to work, money is invested in those already privileged. Where do you find the strength to fight on so many fronts? What is the secret of your power? There is no secret. Due to circumstances, and especially after my husband died, I always had to rely on myself. And I accepted every work I could get. I even work as a hotel maid. Another thing is that I always had a vision. Like this kindergarten, my shop, I always had that desire to be creative. It's about patience and diligence. Who's helping you the most? Mostly my family, my son and my daughter. I'm also glad that I was an inspiration to many women. I often gave them an idea of what they could do. For example, this business of flower decorations. I often don't buy anything for myself, but I invest in the business rather than a pair of shoes. Okay, tell
0: me how men from the Roma community look at your work. Do they admire you?
1: <laughs> I will tell you how they look at Roma women who participated in my courses. A day before the course, they suddenly have stomach pain or kids don't feel well. For two months, none of the Roma women came to the requalification course for nannies. What does it mean? It usually means men won't let them attend. In addition, many Roma think I am drowning in money because I had to raise prices in my kindergarten. That made it inaccessible to Roma kids. I currently have no Roma children at my kindergarten. I went through hell to establish my kindergarten and my business, at the expense of my family, of my house, which is still in a desolate condition. I am focused on my work so much that I am single, my daughter is estranged from the father of her daughter, so it's just three of us girls at home. I invested so much time and energy in my business and children that I can let it fail. You
0: mentioned your granddaughter. How is it for her? Is it different? To
1: be honest, we had a lot of problems concerning her. She is partially disabled. She has got hand praises. My daughter went through hell while trying to secure care and assistance for her. The doctor refused to confirm her disability. It took forever for my granddaughter to get an assistant at school. The social services accused my daughter of neglecting her. It was hell. Social services said my daughter was lying about her daughter's health condition so she doesn't have to go to work. Once the doctors acknowledged my granddaughter was indeed disabled, nobody apologized to my daughter. Or in summer, when the door of my shop is open, I can hear people whispering, Don't go there! there's that gypsy there. Hence, you can have education, work, whatever. When they see your black face, that's how they treat you. It is especially tough for my daughter and such situations sometimes happen four, five times a day. It really makes you angry and want to punch someone's face. Is there anything else you would like to add? Many Roma lack self-confidence, and that's why they don't try to change their situation. They don't even try. I was wondering, when I studied Roma history, why there were so many Roma people without a source of income. Well, all those Roma who knew how to do something perished in concentration camps and in gas chambers. They were killed, so we had nothing to inherit. We were deprived of transmission of know-how, of trades. We should go back to this and start producing something. My ancestors produced dolls. They were sharpeners. All kinds of stuff. I started educating myself from the internet, from books, and I found out I was capable of being creative. That's my source of income, and people liked it. Initially, since what I produced is very colourful, only Roma used to buy my decorations. But now, non-Roma learn to appreciate colours. Sometimes, only the fact that I am trying, that they see me coming to work every day, that I show I have some skills, is enough for people to change their minds and support me.
0: Thank you, dear Emilia. It was so wonderful and encouraging to talk to you. The story behind Emilia's life is special. All her life, she worked for someone and realized that non profit state and local authorities, nobody knows how to help. So she decided to take matters into her own hands and provide both public and commercial services. She's a Roma woman in a Czech society, which means that she had to fight every step of the way to stability, both with society and sometimes her own community. She's the embodiment of how insulting and wrong prejudices about lazy Roma are. She had to work and fight more than many from the majority. At the same time, being a strong woman, she's also a strong Roma woman, keeping Roma tradition, grounding Roma identity and knowledge about Roma history, which is still rare in Czech society. She speaks Romani knows about her ancestors and the horrible events from World War II. That gives her a strong grounding to conquer prejudices, deprivation, paternalism from both NGOs and society and patriarchy in her own community. She's generous in spreading her strength to her daughter, granddaughter and other Roma women, never forgetting to include them in her activities and fight for their rights. On top of all this, she had to fight her own and her husband's illness, and again the system let her down. Many would give up after so many blows, starting with a family, but Emilia chose to persevere against all odds. It's still a long way for Czech society to face and defeat anti gypsyism and show equal respect and concern to its Roma citizens. It's still a long way for Roma women to get the recognition they deserve and for women in general to reach equality. But a milestone in that way was firmly set by Emilia. Emilia was destined to fail, but she succeeded, and we have a lot to learn from her.